Okay, Shalom Ubracha, nice to be back in LA after over a year, Bo Hashem. And before anything, this class is dedicated to the memory of Nishmat Simcha Bat Masoda, Rafael Ben David Verifka, Yosef Shalom Ben Yitzchak, and Joanna Bat Shoshana. Tienafsham Tsurura Bitsura Chaim with the Schut of the Tzadiki Mamiti Bishop. Amram Ben Ben Machluf. Ah, Meir Ben? Meir Ben Alright, so um, we, we, we have to for sure speak about what's happened this past month. It's over, over a month and the whole world is upside down still with what happened in the Holy Land. And people are trying to find some meaning, what to do, what's, what's the message here. So let's give, many Rabbanim are saying all types of things. But let us try to give a perspective from Rabbi Nachman's teachings mm -hmm. as to uh, what's happening now in the world, okay? First of all, this incident took place on what day? On Simchat Torah, Simcha Torah. The happiest day of the year. And Shabbos. Right? Shabbat, Simchat Torah. Mm -hmm. At what time? Six, they said 6.30 in the morning, 6.35, they began to see the Arabs, okay? 6.30, 6.35 in Eretz Yisrael was what's called Nets. The earliest time to Davin Shacharit was at that time. It's like as if Hashem didn't waste a second. It was a second. What does that mean? The year technically begins on Hoshana Rabbah. Hoshana Rabbah is uh, the day before Simchat Torah. The Ben Yishchai says it's called Hoshana. Hoshana, which means save. Na means please. But na also means it's like 51. What's 51? 51 is the 30 days of the month of Elul, from Rosh Chodesh Elul, yeah. and plus the 21 days of Tishrei, leading up to Hoshana Rabbah. So that means the accumulation of the, of the devotion, the Slichot, the Svartim, for example, we start Slichot after Rosh Chodesh Elul. Some people say more Tehillim, there's more Tshuva, there's more, all types of, more as a preparation for Rosh Hashanah. There's also Rosh Hashanah, right? On Rosh Hashanah, the Gemara says that the Tzadikim are judged immediately to life, the Rashaim are judged immediately to death, and the people in between are given until Yom Kippur. But with all that, the execution of the judgment is on Hoshana Rabbah. It's, the wording is the Ptakim, the, the, the issuing of, the, of the, actual, uh, the, the actual judgment is given out on Hoshana Rabbah. That's why on Hoshana Rabbah, we stay up all night saying Tehillim, we wear white, those who are white, we do seven hakafot. There's a lot of tshuva in that. So, Hoshana Rabbah is a preparation for the next day. On the night of Simchat Torah, it says, Rabbi Nachman says that when you say Kriyat Shema of Arvit, and you say Ve'emuna Kozot, as soon as you say, say those words, your Parnasa for the whole year also is decreed. So all the judgments are the day of Hoshana Rabbah, the night of Simchat Torah. That means the year technically begins when? On the morning of Simchat Torah. So it's like from heaven, they didn't wait a second. The morning of Simchat Torah, we in Yerushalayim, we davened early on Shabbat morning Simchat Torah. We didn't even hear the sirens. There were four missiles they shot to Yerushalayim. We were dancing so much. It was so loud. We didn't even hear the sirens. We didn't hear the sirens. Four missiles were, were destroyed. But, but like Hashem didn't wait even one Did second. Did you hear anything? The explosions? It's been recorded. Okay. So it, it's like, what's the message here? Simchat Torah. Simchat Torah is a day 
that we are celebrating what? We're celebrating us, our Judaism. Yeah. Rabbi Nachman, he once told his disciple, Rabbi Nathan, did you dance on Simchat Torah? He asked him one, did you dance? And he said about himself, I was so happy today, I danced by myself. And Rabbi Nathan says, he said, when you think about it, that when we're dancing on Simchat Torah with the Torah, it's really a great Simcha. It's one of the greatest Simchas of, of the year. That I'm happy that Hashem chose me. Hashem b'charbanu mikol amim v'natanan v'torah. That Hashem chose us. That I have this chut to, to, to do something which has an eternal meaning. This is the Simcha of Simchat Torah. Okay? So that's one thing. Number two. All of us, whether us in Israel, and for sure the, the Jews outside and the diaspora, the first thing we heard about was the Nova Festival. The poor kids, 3,000 children at the Nova Festival, right? They were there partying, have a time, doing drugs, whatever. And what was there? They were trying to find happiness, but in a different format. They, they didn't find it in the Torah. They can't find it. Or because they were not brought up religious, or they were brought up religious, but they didn't have a good time, so they became secular. But they were looking for Simcha in a different format. Number three, hostages. Hostages, okay. What does the Torah say about hostages? Parshat Kitavo, there's 98 curses. Of the curses, there's Banecha Uvnautecha Bashevi. That your children, your sons and daughters will be taken hostages. Oh, so what does it say there in the parasha? It says why? Why these 98 curses? It says something amazing. Tachat Asher lo avadetat Hashem elokecha besimcha all this will happen to you because you're not serving Hashem with joy. It doesn't say because you're not serving Hashem or you're going to get punished if you don't keep Shabbat. It doesn't say that. It says you're going to get punished because you didn't keep Shabbat with Simcha. You hear that? So again, Simcha is popping up again and again and again. So we hear what happened. It took everybody by shock. But what are we supposed to do? Coming here, by the way, from Ben Gurion Airport, you know, they didn't Ben Gurion Airport. There's the ramp for departures and arrivals, right? The whole ramp they put with the pictures of all the 20, 250 hostages. So you have to cry. <laughs> everybody's sad. Everybody's gloomy. Yeah. But now, what are we supposed to do? Is this what we're supposed to do to be sad? Is this what we're supposed By being sad, that's what they want. When the Arab, he takes the woman's Facebook and he shows her grandchildren how he's killing them, what does he have in mind? What does he have in mind? He wants to hurt them. With, with feelings of pain and sadness. Yeah. Yeah. So, meaning the essence of Galut. What is the essence of Galut? And what the Goyim want when they want to make us suffer in Galut? Yeah. It's sadness. It's only one thing, to be atzuv. If you show that it doesn't even make a dent in me, what you're doing to me doesn't hurt me because the Jewish people were something unique that we know how to get back up. How? We get back up. We know how to get back up always. That's why I have a joke. We, we drink 7-Up. 7-Up. Sheva Yiport Tzadik. We go, we fall down seven times and we get back up. This is the beauty of Am Yisrael that after the Holocaust, after all the pogromim, after all the exiles and everything, we know how to get back up and continue. That's, that's the beauty of Am Yisrael. There was a, a man who, uh, who escaped Poland to Shanghai during the Holocaust. He survived because he fled with a whole group of uh, yeshivot, of Chabad, Lubavitch, and also the Mir Yeshiva, and he escaped to Shanghai. And he, he left his wife behind because he was trying to find a way how to get them out. In the meantime, his wife was killed, his, his children, so he lost everybody, okay? And he eventually, after the war from Shanghai, came to New York, came to America. 
and he was 50 years old when, when this happened, when he lost his wife and his children. He was over 50. And he started again. He remarried a younger woman. And he had a son, okay? And once him and his son, they came to Eretz Yisrael to visit. And his son is like Bar Mitzvah, 13 years old, and he's like 63. The father is 63, and the son is Bar Mitzvah age, okay? They're walking in, in, in Bnei Brak. And he sees one of the Rabbanim in the yeshiva in Shanghai. When they were hiding in Shanghai, they skipped to Shanghai. He sees this rabbi. And the rabbi said, wow, I mean, like he didn't see him for 30 years. So he, he hugged him and he was emotional. And he said, who's this young boy? Is your grandson? He said, no, it's my son. He said, your son? So he didn't, so he didn't ask if it was, he, he, like he thought it was someone else. He said, your son? And he started to cry. Why did he start to cry? Because many of the Jews there, and they, they were so traumatized, they couldn't remarry. When they lost their wives and everything, they were stuck like that. But to find a man at 50 years old, he started again. No problem. We start again. So that was something unique. And the, the man began to cry. He had a 13-year-old boy, and he's over 60, 63 years old. Because he started again. Okay? This is possibly the big message that we're supposed to get. That, again, it happened on Simcha Torah. The hostages. Simcha, because of Simcha, lack of Simcha, so it's pretty clear that we have to be b'simcha. So now, how do you do that? How do we do that? So we, we have to force it. We have to be b'simcha with koach, with strength, Mr. Hashem. Rabbi Nachman teaches, one of the main ways to be happy is by telling jokes. So I have a joke to tell you. I always come with a joke. So this year I have a new joke, Mr. Hashem. When uh, President Carter became president, so Golda Meir took him to the Kotel. And she's explaining to President Carter, this is the holiest place of the Jewish nation. And here your prayers are accepted. He said, oh great. So if I ask that America becomes the greatest economy in the world, my prayers will be answered. And she said, yes. And if I pray that America should win over Russia and be the most powerful country in the world over Russia, my prayers will be answered. Yes. And if I pray that the Arabs, the Israelis make peace with the Arabs, my prayers will be answered. She says, no, now you're talking to the wall. <laughs> Simcha, to tell jokes. And this Simcha, which is not real, it's like a joke, it's silly. But, but being a happy mentality is what brings you to true Simcha also, Bezat Hashem. Okay, that's, that's number one. Number two is putting on music and dancing. Put, put, putting on music and dancing and being, and, and being in a good mood with music. Music is so powerful. You know, in the, in the Kreta Torah, you have four levels. It's called Tanta. Ta'amim, Nekudot, Tagim, Ve'otiyot. You have the Ta'amim, which is the musical note. And you have the, 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 the dots, the vowels, the crowns on the letters, and the actual letters. Of them, the Ta'amim, the Nigun. That's the highest level. That connects you to the highest level. So too, putting on music is a very powerful thing. That's why it's a mitzvah to sing on Shabbat. At a Khatuna, we sing. Singing is part of Judaism because it puts in a good mode. Number three, is finding the good points, finding the nekudot tovot, instead of being negative, to be positive. Number four, giving thanks to Hashem, at any opportunity to give thanks to Hashem. A Jew starts his day off with what? Modani. Modani. Sometimes you have a guy, he wakes up late, oh, I'm late. So he gets out of bed, angry. Such a person, go back to bed, say modani, and then get out. <laughs> if you skip modani, because you're right, go back to bed, say modani, and then get out of bed, okay? <laughs> to give thanks to Hashem. That happens when a person appreciates everything. He gives appreciation of everything. All right? Welcome, welcome. Welcome. <laughs>
And number five, number five, the last one, is that you have to look at things in the big picture. In other words, when you look at life, that what you're going through is just a little, 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 a, a one second clip in a film that's 6,000 years. The, 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 this film of life, from the time of creation until the very end, will be maximum 6,000 years. And in the end, Hashem is going to have His way. In the end, there's going to be Tchatametim, resurrection of the dead. There's going to be that the wicked are going to get totally destroyed. The good will come out. All the suffering you went through. Haloch Yelech Uvacho, Nose Meshech Hazara, Boyavo Berina, Nose Alumato. The one who went crying over the, the toil to try to do good. And then he's going to reap the rewards and come back singing. So, in other words, if you know that in the end, everything's going to work out. So, why are you sad now? Why are you sad now? Even a person, God forbid, has a sickness, or there's a Shalom Bayit issue, or children issue, or this. But you know that your life is just one little piece in the 6,000 years, and in the end it's going to work. There's a story I tell over and over and over again of a, a woman and a daughter, that they went to Auschwitz together, from beginning to end, the mother and daughter, that's very rare. And she was a religious woman, a God-fearing woman. They asked her, how did you do that? How did you do that? So she said, I, as soon as I got to Auschwitz, she started cracking up. <coughs> she started laughing. You're laughing? People are being burnt in the, in the, the gas chambers and the, the bodies and, and they're being tortured and you're laughing? Why did you laugh? She, she, she said, you're laughing. First of all, she said, so I was laughing, so what? The, the Nazis were scared of her. When she was laughing, they thought she was like crazy or hoojibuji and they were scared to get close to her. They didn't touch her. Okay. So then they asked her, and why did you, why were you laughing? You, that's a place to laugh in Auschwitz? Mm -hmm. So she said, because it's so obvious how stupid these people are, <laughs> and they're going to pay the price. Oh, wow. When people do evil, when people do wrong, they, they think they're going to get away with it? Come on. Mm -hmm. Hitler was stupid. He was an idiot. The Midrash says that Esav, last week's parasha, Esav said, I want to kill Yaakov. He said, I'm going to wait for my father to die, Yitzchak, and then I'll kill Yaakov. So the Midrash says that Paro said about Esav, Esav, you were stupid. You waited? You waited to kill Esav? In the meantime, uh, Yaakov? In the meantime, Yaakov became 12 tribes and grandchildren and 70, there's a 70 nefashot. You're going to have a hard time. It's a, now you can't kill him anymore. Me, Paro said, Immediately, as soon as a boy is born, right? And all daughters to keep alive. So Haman came afterwards, the Midrash says, and Haman said about Paro, Paro, you're stupid. What do you think? Just killing the boys will destroy the Jewish people? Come on. A Jewish woman, she has children, no matter what, they're Jewish. What did you accomplish? So what did Haman say? I'm going to kill everybody. Men, women, children, Tafin Hashim, Yom Echad, right? So comes Gog, Gog Magog, and Gog says about Haman, Haman, you're stupid. You don't know that so long as the Jewish people are connected to Hashem, that you can't do away with them? You don't know that? What am I going to do, Gog says? I'm going to sever the connection between the Jewish people and Hashem, and then I can get them. So Hashem says about Gog, Ah, Gog, you think you're going to be able to deal with me and the Jewish people? No problem. We'll bring you here to the Holy Land, Eretz Israel, and here will be your downfall. From this Midrash you see that Gog's war is not a physical war. The war of Gog and Magog is a spiritual battle. Rabbi Natan, he received from Rabbi Nachman something called Megillat Setarim, which is the secrets of what's going to happen before Mashiach comes 
And he told them only two people per generation are allowed to know about this. So Rabbi Nachman revealed this to his disciples, Rabbi Natan and Rabbi Naftali. And he said, whoever first passes on, is allowed, the second guy is allowed to reveal it to somebody else. Rabbi Natan passed away in 1844. Rabbi Naftali revealed it to another chassid, his name was Rabbi Aaron Lipovetsker. And when Rabbi Naftali passed away 20 years later, 1870, Rabbi Aaron revealed it to another guy, his name is Rabbi Avram ben Rav Nachman. This Rabbi Avram ben Rav Nachman, he knew how to keep his mouth shut. And he knew how to keep a secret. So nobody knows if he revealed it to somebody and who did he reveal it to. He passed away in World War I, 1917. Nobody knows what happened. But still, Rabbi Natan said about the Megillat Setarim, he said Rabbi Nachman didn't speak even once about the war of Gog and Magog. So it's clear, he said, that the war of Gog and Magog, we're already in the middle of it. The war of Gog and Magog started already 250 years ago with assimilation. With the reform movement, the Haskalah, and the secularization of Jewish people, we're now today, we're in a situation, we have 16 million Jews in the world, of them, how many keep Torah? How many know about Hashem? Maybe one, one million, two million, maximum. The majority of Jews in the world have no connection to, to anything about Torah. Nothing. So we're in a situation which is the assimilation big time, okay? This is Gogomago. This is the world of Gogomago. And yet, they're going to pay the price. Am Yisrael is going to make it, and we're going to hold on and get through it. All right. So this was just an introduction to know our proper response to what's happening in the world. It's not to fight back. Ah, nah, the, the, right? They're saying from Palestine from, to the sea, whatever. Our resort, our retort is Simcha Bezat Hashem. That's, that's the best thing to do. The best thing to do is to do what you're doing better. <laughs> you're already doing mitzvot? Do it better now. Do it with Simcha Bezat Hashem. Because the Pasuk says anyways. The Pasuk says in the Navi, Ki Besimcha Tetzehu. How are you going to get out of Galut? Not from, people think now, so the Rabbanim will say, that this is the signs of Mashiach, this is the signs, they're wrong. Mm. Because Mashiach won't come out of worry and panic and fear. Mm. Just the opposite, there's going to be so much simcha by the goyim. The Pasuk says, Az yomru ba goyim, higdil Hashem lasot in ele, higdil Hashem lasot imanu, hainu smechim. The goyim are going to say, that az yomru ba goyim, the nations will say then, wow, higdil Hashem lasot in ele, Hashem, he, he, what he was doing to the Jews was just to raise them. And by raising the Jews, this is for our benefit also. And we'll be happy because of that. The Goyim will realize that all the good they had in this world was thanks to Am Yisrael. So the, 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 the Psukim say clearly that the, the nations are going to take every Jew by hand on United Airlines, on, I don't know which airplane. I think they bring everyone back there to Israel. They're going to bring the Jews back there to Israel out of Simcha. That's the sign of Mashiach. This, what's happening now, is a wake-up call to work more on being b'simcha b'ezot Hashem. All right? Amen. All right. So now, that was just what was happening. Now we have to go to the topic of the class. Before we get into the topic of the class, a story involving Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman was once traveling by wagon with his disciple, Rav Chaikul. And they passed by a, a little village, and Rabbi Nachman was, like, his eyes were closed, like he was in a dveikut, a state of connection with God, he, was, he wasn't there. So Rav Chaikal, he was awake in the, in the wagon, and they passed by a village where this Rav Chaikal had a cousin, a close cousin, and this cousin was very, very, very poor, and he wanted that Rabbi Nachman should give him a bracha, that he should be successful. And he didn't want to bother the Rabbi because he was, his eyes were closed, or he was sleeping, or he was in a meditation, meditative state. 
So he instructed the driver to turn into this little village so they can stop in front of his cousin's house. This cousin also had some acquaintance with Rabbi Nachman. So when the wagon stopped in front of the house, Rabbi Nachman opened his eyes. <coughs> Rabbi Chaikal opened the door. The Rebbe went out. He went out. They knocked on the door. The cousin opened the door. He saw Rabbi Nachman at his door. He almost fainted. He said, oh my God, you know. So Rabbi Chaikal said, do you have, welcome, welcome, us, welcome the Rebbe in. Welcome, welcome us in. He said, Baruch And he had nothing in his house. He said, maybe you have some cake, some pastry to honor. He said, I have nothing. Nothing. So Rechaiko told his cousin, take your wife's Shabbat candlesticks, the silver candlesticks, give them to the pawn, go to a neighbor, exchange it for some money, a pawn shop, do a pawn right now, and with the money, quickly buy something. He said, I'll do that right now. So he took the silver, his wife's Shabbat candlesticks, silver candlesticks, went to a neighbor, got some money, quickly bought some pastries and honored the table for, for the Rebbe. And then Rechaiko turned to Rabbi Nachman, he says, no, Rabbeinu, give him a bracha. And before he said that, his, the children of the, of the cousin walked by, and this was in the winter, freezing cold winter. There was no heat in the house, and the children passed by with no shoes on. They had no shoes, no socks, that's how poor they were. So, so Rav Chaikul said to Rabbi no, have some pity, give him a bracha. So Rabbi Nachman said to him, I have no blessing to give to him. I have no blessing to give to him. If you want, you give him a bracha. So Rav Chaikul got worried that maybe he intruded on the honor of Rabbi Nachman. He said, I'm scared you'll kill me if I give a bracha. He said, no, 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 no. I give you permission to give a bracha to your cousin, but I have no bracha to give to him. He said, are you sure? He said, yes. And he was so scared. He asked him again, are you sure, Rabbi, I can give a bracha? He said, yes, don't worry. So he asked his cousin, bring me a bucket of water with a ladle, with a big spoon. <coughs> he brought him the bucket with the spoon. He pushed over the table and the chairs. The Rabbi Nachman was on the side. And he poured water on the floor of the house with the ladle, the big ladle. And with his hands, he pushed abundance to the north, abundance to the south, abundance to the east, abundance to the west. Okay? And when it happened, the water was on the floor. <laughs> Rabbi Nachman picked up, he had a, the, the Rebbe's, they had a long kaftan, a long overcoat. Mm -hmm. So he picked up the corners, he said, Chaikul, I don't want any of your shefa, I don't want any of your bracha. He picked up, so I shouldn't get wet. He said, I don't want any of your shefa. Okay, so they finished, they left. Right after they left, they hear a big, like, banging door on the door. It's a group of these Ukrainian, like, rough, uh, f not farmers, but like, yeah, hunters. And they came to this village to sell furs that they catch from the wolves and the whatever, all the, the, the animals, the wild animals that they catch. And they said, hey Jew, we're hungry and we want, we're thirsty and we want something to eat and drink. You let us in, we want food. So I have nothing to give you guys. Oh, they gave him a pile of money. Go buy us something right now. We're tired. We don't have time to go to the hotel and rest. We want to, we want to be here right now. So he quickly went to buy some food and drink and brought them. They said, you know, we like it here. We want to pay you that we want to stay here overnight. We'll pay you good. They paid him. He was happy. He said, wow, you got some money. And he said, we'll come back. We come back. We come every two weeks. We'll come back in two weeks. And we're giving you uh, more, uh, prepaid money that when we come, we have waiting for us already food and everything. So when we come, we don't have to wait for that. They came in two weeks. They were happy. They see everything set. They said, you know, we don't have to come here every two weeks. We want to make you our, our shalich. We want to make you our representative in selling our, our furs here. Instead of us coming, we'll bring a stock, a storage. Keep it in your house and sell for us. And we'll come every, every two months, every three months, we'll come to pick up the money. He said, great. So he started doing well and well. And he started taking the first selling in the marketplace. He was doing well.
And he said, let me advance. He started selling cheese and dairy, and it was working. And he became a very wealthy businessman. And he started coming, this village wasn't so far from the city of Breslau, where Nachman lived. So he started going to the marketplace. And you see him running around like in the stock market. He's buying and selling <laughs> and this, and he's doing well. Rabbi Nachman's house, his windows, they have the house they say standing till today. They're not sure exactly that's the house, but there's a house they say that that, that, that house is still there. In the marketplace in this village of Breslau, there's a marketplace, and that's where Rabbi Nachman's house was at the time. So one day, when Rav Chaikal was at Rabbi Nachman's house in Breslau, Rabbi Nachman got up, he walked to the window, and he sees the cousin now is a very wealthy businessman. Yeah. And before, he would come once, a while, once every month to come visit Rabbi Nachman, to give him some tzedakah and to get a bracha, whatever, and to, to, to visit him. But then he stopped coming. He stopped coming. That's it. He's too busy. The money took over his life. Okay? So, Rabbi Nachman sees him at the wind, uh, from the window, and he's running around buying and selling. So Rabbi Nachman knocks on his window so he can hear him. He knocks on his window with his, with his finger, like his, his, his knuckle. And the guy hears Rabbi Nachman at the window knocking. He turns to him. Rabbi Nachman looks at him and goes like this. <laughs> come here. So he said, me? He said, come here, yeah. And he comes to the window. He says, yes, Rabbi Nachman. How you doing? Shalom Aleichem. How's everything? Boch Hashem. Boch Hashem. So he said, tell me, did you have time today to look at the sky? Mm. He said, excuse me, Rabbeinu, but why should I look at the sky? What in the world? <laughs> look at the sky. Why should I look at the sky? So Rabbi Nachman called over Chekel, the cousin. Chekel, come here. He said, he said, listen. And he said to the cousin in front of Chekel, he said, you see all these people here in the market mm. and these horses? In 50 years from now, There'll be different horses here, different people, different merchandise, and you and I will not be here. So I ask you, why don't you have time to look at the sky and think about Hashem? Mm -hmm. And then Rabbi Nachman told Rechaiko, you see, this is your bracha. This is what your bracha did. He has no time even to think about Hashem. Wow. He knew that as a poor person, he was still connected on a better level with his, his, his emunah, with his Judaism, there was what to connect him. Now that the money took over his life, so he saw that it was going to happen, that's why he didn't give him a bracha. You want to give him a bracha? No problem. But it will take away from looking at this guy. Hmm. This message is unbelievable, because that for sure is today. The <laughs> biggest, biggest obstacle for taking time to think about Hashem is that people are running after money. Running, 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 running. And now with technology and AI and everything is just faster and faster. On one click, on one click, on one click, everything is making you speed and speed and speed, taking away better chances for you to have what's called Yeshuv HaDa'at. Yeshuv HaDa'at translates as the settling of the mind. The greatest way, the, the only way to connect to Hashem is you have to take time out of your day to stop everything and to connect to God. If you don't do that, then I'm sorry to say it, you're literally crazy. <laughs> you're mishuga. People walking around today are crazy. When we see, you, you see people on the news, okay, it comes to you. You can't understand how these people, these Arab, these Hamas people who killed, they killed, and now the world is defending them, right? So you say, these people are nuts, okay? So, so, but it's not just them nuts, it's also, we're also peanuts also. If there's levels of being nuts. Okay. I mean, people say, okay, Adkan, I, my limitations is here. But the, the total limitations of a person of being normal is already down here. But by society, it's like, 
over here. Once they've killed 5,000 people, that's when we begin to wake up. You know, under that, no. The, the world is upside down. Why? Because they don't have Yishuvadat. Yishuvadat means to take the time to freeze and to connect to Hashem. If you don't do that, you're lost. Because the way the world works with money and everything is people are always on the run, always on the run, always on the run. There was a person who would come to Rabbi Natan who had problems with his Parnassa and his Shalom Bayit and he would come to do what's called the Pidyon. There's, there's this thing of doing a Pidyon. Not just Erev Yom Kippur where we do Pidyon Kaparot. There's doing a Pidyon that you go to a Tzaddik Ask him to do this pidyon for you. So Rabbi, this man would come to Rabbi Natan and he gave him money for pidyon. And even before Rabbi Natan could say the, 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 the prayer of the pidyon, the man left already. He said, hey, come back. What do you think this is? I work for you? <laughs> I work for you? How many times you gave me a pidyon? How many times you told Hashem you become better? And you keep on going back and you do again. I don't work for you. Take your money. What is this? You think it's a game? That something goes wrong, oh, I'll give, I'll give a pidyon to this, this tzaddik and they're up and everything will work out and I can go back into my confusion and my crazy life. Nah, you have to wake up, you get the point. The point is to stop being crazy. To stop being crazy. That's Yishuvadat. Yishuvadat, if people in the world, if every person in the world had Yishuvadat, they would see clearly that there's a God. The reason why people don't see Hashem in their life is because they don't have Yishuvadat. Even the people who go to Hujibuji, the Himalayas, and Voodoo, and all that. Jews who go thinking that their, their solution is in the East, whatever, Eastern religions, or people go off, they think it's in drugs, or this type of thing. The reason why people go elsewhere is because it's always static, always static, influencing a person's mind. A person doesn't have a moment where the head is just clear. Yishuvadat, okay? Rabbi Nachman teaches us how to come to Yishuvadat. It's a bracha, first of all. To have Yishuvadat, it doesn't come by practice, by technique, by going to this course in yoga and this type of psychological treatment. It doesn't come like that. It's a, if it's a bracha from heaven. And a person doesn't have this bracha, it won't happen. So the question is, how do you get this bracha of Yishuvadat? So Binachman teaches two prerequisites to getting to Yishuvadat is, number one, what we spoke about earlier, simcha. Number two, the emunah that simcha leads to. What happens when you're besimcha? What happens? First of all, let's look at the opposite. Someone who's not besimcha, that person is always sick. Rabbi Nachman teaches, and it's clear, that all sicknesses come to a person because they're sad. You, you speak to your aunt, how's my aunt? She's mad, she's sick. And why? They're not, they're not happy. They're not, people are not happy, so they, they bring upon themselves the doctor said like this now, and the whoa, 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 he said like this, but you brought it upon yourself because you're negative. What do you want? The negativity of the, of the sadness it, on a medical level, it releases from what's called the tchol, the, the, the spleen, very bad acids and poisons in the body. If you want to talk about medical, that's the medical level. When a person is sad, when the mind is in a sad, heavy, uh, like there's no hope and attitude, this automatically triggers the wrong elements of the body, causing the imbalance. And what is imbalance? So any tiny thing disrupts the whole, the whole, the whole health of the body. Because of that, the opposite is true. That a person who works on being besimcha, that's why Rabbi Nachman says, he says that when a person is sick, the most important thing is to give them simcha. You know, to bring the clowns and the balloons and Mickey Mouse and do all the funny things, because they get them smiling. Because that smile can change them. That smile can make the change, Mizrat Hashem.
So simcha has a medical effect and all the more so a spiritual effect, okay? The spiritual effect of simcha is that it puts the mind in its right place to receive the next level, which is called emuna. The emuna is the basic kli, the vessel, for having a clear head. How is that so? When you believe that there's what to live in life, there's a purpose. And that goes back to say, first of all, I didn't mention this point. When we say simcha, what is simcha? What is simcha? To say simcha, oh, I had a great time. I went to Maui. I went to Club Med and I had just a great time. That's not simcha. We know already uh, anything in, the, in this world in itself is just a dead end. There is no simcha in this world at all. So what is there in this world? When we connect this world to Hashem, that is a value. When we have a Shabbat table and we buy fancy schmancy patischi and cakes and good meat, okay, and there's a wedding and everyone's happy and dancing and you get a very $50,000 band and they're doing amazing and everybody's happy, you took this world, connected it to a mitzvah, that's called simcha. Simcha is only when it's related to a true purpose, an eternal purpose, which is the Torah. When you do simcha in doing mitzvot, this prepares the way for emuna, Because when you're happy about your Judaism, that shows already that you have emuna. So A leads to B, B leads to A. Simcha and emuna are enhanced. This prepares the mind to receive what's called this bracha of Yishuvadat. Yishuvadat is, is really the greatest gift a person can have. If a person were to ask for one thing in life, they can ask for Yishuvadat. Because when your head is clear, then, then everything in life is clear. When you have the clarity that, that, that God is running the world, there's a purpose and there's what to be happy about, there's what to live for. So that is the greatest gift, right? Like, like Perkavot says, Da'at kanita ma chasarta, da'at chasarta ma kanita. If you've acquired Da'at, which is Yishuvadat, a settling of the mind, okay, so what, what do you lack? And if you don't have Da'at, so what do you have? And when we say Da'at, the essence of Da'at, is that the mind is settled. This could mean also a person, he's learning Torah, learning, 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 but he's not settled. They have a joke in, in Eretz Yisrael. The guy is in yeshiva, he's too busy learning, he, he has no time to think about Hashem. It's a joke they say, it's sad. He's so learning Torah, but he forgot about God. He's so into the Gemara and everything. You need to also take out time to remember Hashem. In the, that's all, all the more so for sure people who are in the world in the physical world in business and everything but even in the religious world this can be a problem that someone is learning and learning and learning and he forgets about Hashem that's why it's important to take the time out to just have the Yishvadat but the gift of Yishvadat comes through Simcha and Emunah there's like a story on the side I'd like to tell that there was a couple from New York New York is a very busy city busy busy Manhattan and they went vacation to I don't know Vermont or something like that and they're, they're finding like uh, lodgings, like these motels, like all wood. And the owner is like, you know, on the old rocking chair and you hear it's like squeaking on, on, the, on the balcony, right? And the couple comes, you were looking for a room to rent, you know? And he said, okay. And he's, like, he's talking very slowly and cool. And all of a sudden his phone is ringing. His phone is ringing and phone is ringing and he's not answering it. And the couple from New York, when they hear the phone ringing, they get nervous. You have to answer it, you know? If someone calls me, I have to answer it. Like I'm, I'm a slave to the phone. So they said, you're not going to answer the phone? He said, nope. <laughs> and they said, and why not? Because I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> they said, but the phone is ringing. So what? The phone was created for me. I'm not created for the phone. Wow. All right? Yishuvadat. Exactly. That's a goy. That's a goy talking, okay? That Yishuvadat is the biggest blessing in the world. 
if you have this calmness, okay, then you can handle the whole world. Also, when, when you're being tested, the t test of life is to get you impatient and angry, right? All that. And you want, you know to be calm is good. I know, but it's not happening. So this is what Rabbi Nachman teaches. If you work on Simcha, if you try to work on Yishuvadad head on, it doesn't work. You try to be calm. Let's try to be calm. Let's try to be calm. A guy wants to come home. He doesn't want to scream at his wife. He doesn't get an argument. He comes home and she starts attacking. Na, 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 na. And he's saying, Hashem, I don't want to put my mouth. Please, please. And it doesn't, that doesn't work. After five seconds, he blows up also. Where, where does it come from? It's, a, it's called the bracha. The bracha of Yishuvadad is dependent on something else. And that is being besimcha bezat Hashem. So the simcha leads to emuna, which leads to this Yishuv Hadat. Alright? That's the first thing I wanted to talk about. Another thing now, we have Chanukah next week. So Chanukah is a very special night. Next week, sorry, not next week. Week and a half. But we're Kislev. We can talk about Chanukah already. We're allowed to talk about we're Chanukah. Kislev, right? We're in Kislev. We're showing the Kislev. We're the, we're the tenth of Kislev. We're at the tenth. Today was the ninth. Now right? it's the tenth. Now it's the tenth of Kislev. Okay. So we have a few more days, another 12, 25, 12, 12 15 days till, till Chanukah. What is Chanukah? What is Chanukah? Chanukah, on a nutshell, is basically shining the light in the greatest darkness. Kislev goes into the beginning of the long winter nights of Tevet. Tevet and Shvat are the dark, gloomy, dark winter nights where a person begins to lose it. Normally, by Rosh Hashanah, Tishrei, it's a new year, there's a new beginning. I mean, this year is a bit hard. We got hit right in the beginning. But normally, there's like a strength, energy, we have a good year. By Tevet, already a person feels wasted. <laughs> person, person needs a vacation already. Oh, I'm wasted. I can't, I can't fight this battle. Chanukah comes at the right time. Chanukah is at a time when there's such a, such a darkness and we light this light. The light of Chanukah is not a joke. When you light the Hanukkah candles, you are activating what's called Or Ein Sof. What's Or Ein Sof? The infinite light. Infinite light is basic, basically meaning the highest level of connection you can have to Hashem. And this comes to everybody in life. Every Jew, every person really, in their lifetime, they experience a time where they feel such an enlightenment above their level, and that gives them the aspiration. You can have a guy, he has a big light that I'm going to pursue saving the whales or becoming a professor or this and that. That's in the secular world. And in the Jewish world, he has a big light. That's it. I'm going to invest my time in becoming a tzaddik, a tamid chacham or this and that. Each one person gets a light in their life and it's taken away. And then they have to aspire after it. This light comes from this high level called Ein Sof. We know that in the Gematria of the word for Or. Or, Aleph, Vav, Resh. Light is the same gematria. What's a gematria? First of all, Aleph is one, Vav is six, that's seven, and Resh is 200. 207 is the same gematria as Ein Sof. The infinite light, Ein Sof, one, 10, 50, 60, 6, and 80 is 207. Meaning, whenever you have a light in your life, it's coming from this high, high level. The problem is, the difficulty is, that this light is taken away. And the tendency of every person is to go right, run after it again. Like it says in the Pasuk in Shir Hashirim, Moshcheni Acharecha Narutza. Hashem sends a light to a person to pull him towards him. Moshcheni 
The person saying, Hashem, pull me, send me this light. And I'll run after you. That's what happens. A person is given a light, and then they run after this light. Okay, it's taken away. They were not looking for it. What happens in most cases, when people are looking for this light, they have setbacks. They get pushed back, and they say, ah, it's not for me. This light, this, uh, this dream that I had, this vision I had of becoming a good Jew, becoming a good person, and my aspirations, the pushback I'm having in my life is too much. What they don't realize, or because of lack of Yishuvadat, is these pushbacks are basically the preparation, the prerequisite for receiving this light. This is Hashem's test. The Gemara says in Yoma, Haba letaher oto omrim lo hamten. It's a Gemara in Yoma, that as someone who wants to become purified, he wants to do tshuva, he wants to come back to Hashem. So the Gemara says they help, they assist him. From heaven, they assist that person. How do they assist him? Omrim lo hamten. They say, wait, wait. What do you mean wait? I want to come closer to you. No, wait. What do you mean, what do you mean wait? And they're waiting, you got, and you're trying to push forward, and they push you back from heaven. But I want to be a good Jew. I want to come closer. Wait. Why wait? Because the waiting process is what builds the vessel to receive this light. Waiting is like an indication from heaven you need Yeshuvadat, what we spoke about. We want to give you Yeshuvadat. Why? Because this settling of the mind is a vessel to receive in it infinite light. When a person has a calm head, this is the greatest vessel that he can perceive the greatest things in life. He begins to see things that nobody else sees. Okay? So it's a vessel. But, to do, to, but you need it to, have, to have it. If you don't have it, so from heaven, they push you back in order to develop it. You have to be in a waiting zone. How long you want me to wait, Hashem? 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, what? You want me to die? The answer is no. You got to wait until the time is right. That was hinted to, by the way, in Parashat Vayera, where it says about Avram Avinu, after he had the Brit Milah, right? And he had bandages on him because he was healing. So Parashat Vayera starts, V'hu Yoshev Petach HaOhel and, and Avram was sitting at the entrance of the tent in the heat of the day. Rashi says the simple meaning. What's the simple meaning? That he was looking for guests. He was so burning to have guests, Avram Avinu, even though he was sick and he was in pain. He did Brit Milah. It was on the third day of the Brit Milah and he had bleeding and bandages and he's in pain. And Hashem didn't want to make Avram Avinu suffer. So he took out the sun that it should be burning hot so that there should be no guests, Okay. Rabbi Natan explains this on a deeper level. Avram Avinu represents every single Jew. And the entrance to the tent is the entrance that you want to enter to come close to Hashem. The gateways to Kedusha. You want to go in. But the door is closed. So it says about Avram Avinu, the Jew, who Yoshev. Yoshev means to sit. But also Yishev also is like Yishuvadat. Like we said, it's the settling of the mind. When, they, when, they, when from heaven they make a person wait... It's the indicator we need you to build up Yishuvadat, which means to know, to have the training, the skill, to know how to wait, to wait in life. The people can't wait, right? As a modern day sickness, ADD, ADHD, people, he's hyperactive, hyperactive. The hyperactivity is a reminder of us that we have to take it easy. I say this, I know this is a bit difficult to say, but the Gemara says, I, I went off, so I don't forget, well, we'll go back to Avram Avinu. The Gemara says that there are what's called children who are born out of nine characteristics. That if the parents at the time of cohabitation have 
these nine characteristics, it influences the children, okay? So, if that, when, when the rabbis say that, when the Gemara says that, that, called, that if, like for example, a man is thinking about another woman when he's of his wife, the child will turn out a certain way, God forbid. And if it does this, and that is nine midot. From this you see also that if the parents are too fast and fast and fast in life, so that also influences the children, they can have hyperactive children because of the parents, because of the, how he was conceived. It doesn't mean it's forever. Okay, so I'm like that, so it's genetic. It's not genetic. It's what you have to work on. There's a midrash about this point that just because you're born a certain way doesn't mean, okay, I'm like this, there's nothing to do. There's no excuse, okay? The midrash says that at the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, there was a king who had a portrait of every single king in the world and he wanted a portrait of Moshe Rabbeinu. It's a midrash tanchuma. So the king sent one of his messengers, go see how Moshe Rabbeinu looks and bring me back his sketch. I want a, I want a picture, a painting of Moshe Rabbeinu. So the messenger went, he saw Moshe Rabbeinu's face, and he brought it back. He went, came back, and he explained to the artist how to make the face, and he brought the picture to the king. This king had what's called Chokhmata Partsuf. He knew how to read a person's face to know the qualities of the person. So he saw, the king saw the image of Moshe Rabbeinu's face. He said, this can't be Moshe Rabbeinu. It can't be. You gave me the face of someone who's such a murderer, and a killer, and a liar, and a robber. This can't be Moshe Rabbeinu. And he said, but it is. I'm telling you the truth. This is Moshe Rabbeinu I saw. So it got word to Moshe Rabbeinu what the king said. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, <laughs> he doesn't know the king that I worked on myself. It's true. I was born. Even though it says that, it was, that when, when they opened the teva, when they opened the ark, the, the, the ark that was on the, on the reeds, that they saw light coming out, right? Mm -hmm. but, but still, his face, the face is still a face. A child emitting light. He was born also circumcised, but his face indicates of his attributes of who he was. And Moshe Rabbeinu worked on himself. He worked on himself. He said, yes, I was born technically to be the worst person in the world. But the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu, because I broke everything to work on myself. So even though it's etched in my face that I'm a murderer and this and a liar and a robber and everything, he worked on himself, okay? So this goes back again. That just because you're born in a certain way, some people say, ah, I'm born from a secular family, so therefore I, I, I have a justification to be far, and I'm never going to make it. I'm like this, I'm like that. That's all just excuses. Because a person can really, really work on themselves. So now going back to what we're saying, Rabbi Nathan says, Avram Avinu was sitting at the entrance to the tent. Yoshev petach Yoshev meaning, he was waiting. The tent, with the doors were closed. Why was he waiting? Because they wanted him to have Yishuvadat. You need to have a calm mind to enter. It's true. I'm just going off on another, another point. And the Allah had says, when you're uh, Jewish people, when they daven, they go like this, right? Baruch Hashem. And when they're learning, Jews are moving. Why the movement? Why do we have movement? Because the movement shows that we're like candles. We're always like candles. That you, the flame, or the fire of the Torah, and the fire of the prayer is what gives you that influence. So that's why we're shuckling and moving, okay? But there's a higher level that's a prerequisite for the higher level, which is to be nullified, a bitul, a nullification, where you reach a, a, a point in your prayers where you're not there anymore. And then you're not moving anymore. It's not shuttling. It's now, now it's calm. It's a higher level, okay? So Yishuv, Hu Yoshev, Petach Ha'oel, Avram Avinu, the Jew is waiting for them to open the doors of the tent. And in the meantime, Kechom Hayom, he's being heated up. The Ta'avot, don't stop. In other words, you're being attacked. You're being attacked. 
this, this, this scenario, your children are trying to work on your, they say in Hebrew, there's an expression in Hebrew that, that he's mama, she's on my nerves. He's pinching my nerves until I blow up. I can't handle it anymore. That's the test. Until we don't pass the test of Yeshiva Dat, they keep us waiting and waiting and waiting until I can go through the scenario and not blow up again. I blew up maybe 500 times. Let's see 501. Are you going to blow up again? You blow up again? Okay, wait more. You have to keep on waiting until you're ready. <laughs> and in the meantime, so what, Hashem, I'm going to die like this? No. Work more on Simcha. Work more on Emunah. That will give you the Yishvadat that you can be settled when being tested and not fall into the trap. Because again, the evil and the nations, whatever you want to look at it, they just want one thing. They make you sad. So how do you get your person sad? By getting him angry and frustrated and upset and then he becomes sad. Oh, I'm not, it's not for me. I'm not going to make it and everything. If you know that that's the trick here, that's the game, so then you will do everything to maintain simcha. And when there's no simcha, you cry to Hashem. I tried Hashem. I want to be a good Jew. I'm being squeezed. So the reason why we call it to Hashem is to gain again simcha. So going back to Hanukkah, the idea of Hanukkah is it's a darkness. It's a darkness of the darkest period of the, of the, the beginning of the darkest period of the year, the, of the winter. We light the Hanukkah candles, which is this light called the Orient Sof. It says, The candles of Hanukkah, you're not to like, read with it, you're not allowed to, to check your clothing if there's any stains on it. You're only allowed to look at the light because the whole inyan, the whole thing of the Nerot Hanukkah is light. Which light? Ain't soft, the infinite light. For half an hour to look at the candles, absorb this light, so it gives you the strength to handle the darkness of the Galut. So that's the preparation of Hanukkah. We have two holidays in the winter months, really. The beginning and the end. We have Hanukkah, and then we have Purim. Okay? Hanukkah is to give us that light that we need to hold on in the darkness. And Purim is the simcha we need to stand up to any test. So both are needed. The light, we're given a, a dosage of light, and then we, we work for, to get to Purim, which is where we build up having that simcha. So we'll stop here. Bezat Hashem. Everything we spoke about tonight is taken from a lesson revealed by Rabbi Nachman in his book, Likutei Moran, mm -hmm. Lesson 24. The main themes of this Lesson 24 are the concepts of simcha, which is also emuna, and this concept of yeshivadat. Yeshivadat, okay? How Rabbi Nachman's teachings work is totally a wonder. It's not like a normal book. It's a book that when you begin to learn it, you begin to see things happening in your life that weren't there before. It's crazy. This can be true of all the Torah. Learning Chumash, Gemara, Mishnah, stories of the Gemara, stories of Tzadikim, Zohar. But you won't see the change so drastic like you do in his teachings. He said about himself, Rabbi Nachman, he said about himself, Ani ish pele, venishmati pele gadol. I am a man of wonder, pele, and my soul is a greater wonder. Pele, the word pele, pele med alef, the Ramak, Rav Moshe Kodavero, big Kabbalist in his book, uh, Pardes Rimonim, he says pele is referring to the gateway to the infinite light. It's called the keter. Keter is a level of Kedusha, a level of the Sphira, which is the gateway to the, to the infinite light, okay? He said, Rabbi Nachman, about himself, 
He is a man of the pele. Meaning what? His teachings are involved with one thing and one thing alone. To shine into people's lives this infinite light. That's what his goal is. He said about himself, I didn't come to this yeah. world for myself. I came to this world to bring back Am Yisrael back to Hashem. I'm not here for myself, he said, Rabbi Nachman. I'm here to bring back Am Yisrael back to Hashem, period. And what's needed for that? A high level of Torah. We see that because after all that we have, the Pshat, Remez, Drash, so the four levels of the Torah that we have, okay, we have the Gemara, the Mishnah, okay, the Shulchan Aruch, the Midrashim, the Zohar, the Kabbalah, and still, Am Yisrael is in a bad situation. The majority of Jews are still not connected. Meaning that the, the Torah passed down for the past 500, 600,000, 2,000, 2,000 years, that format of the Torah is not enough to help the Jewish people. The proof is that they're far. After all the yeshiva that we had, whether it's in Morocco, or in Lithuania, in Spain, in Poland, wherever you want, in Yemen, after all the Torah, we came to a situation where assimilation got in. So what does that mean? That we have to go to a higher level. It's not enough this level of the Torah. It's called the fifth level of the Torah. These five levels are hinted to in Hashem's name, Yud Kevavke. Where do you see that? Yud Kevavke is four letters. Those four letters correspond to the four levels of the Torah. Pshat, Remez, Drash, Sod, but backwards. That means the Yud is the highest level. That's the Sod, the Kabbalah. Okay? The first hey is what's underneath that, which is Drash, the Midrashim. Okay? The Vav is Remez, the hints of the Torah. And the final hey is the Pshat, the Gemara, the Shulchan Aruch. When a Sofer writes in the Sefer Torah, Yud, K, Vav, K, he has to write, he has to make, inscribe on the, the letter Yud. The, how does the letter Yud look like? There's a roof and it goes down like this, right? So like that, right? The Sofer, he has to make what's called Kotza Deot Yud. The scribe, when writing on this Yud of Yud Kevavke, he has to add a little, little, tiny, tiny line descending from the roof of the letter Yud. It's called Kotza Yud. He can't make it too long because then it'll look like a Chet, the letter Chet. It has to be tiny. This fifth level, it's like not there. You hardly see it, but it's there. This is the fifth level of the Torah. The Zohar calls this the level of the Keter. It's called Amon Mufla. Amon, which means Kli Umanut, that when the, when the, with the famous teaching that we know that Hashem used the Torah to create the world. Just like an architect. An architect, when he designs a house, he doesn't say, okay, we'll make 20, 20 meters here, 50 meters there. No. The architect makes a blueprint. He has a blueprint. He comes to show the contractor, look, here's the blueprint. This is how the house has to be built. So too, Hashem used the Torah as the blueprint to building the, to building the world. So the Zohar says, which level of the Torah? There's many levels. The highest level. It's called Amon, which means Umanut, craftsmanship, of Mufla, Pele, this level of the Keter. In other words, Hashem used to create the world this highest, highest, highest level of the Torah, which is beyond everything else. This is the level that is going to be revealed before Mashiach comes, which is now. Now, this last leg before Mashiach comes, the standard Torah is not enough for us. It's not working. We, they're not saying so we don't learn it. No, we learn Torah. But we have to enhance it with this fifth level called the Pele. And this is what Rabbi Nachman said about himself, that his teachings emanate from this level of the Pele, this wonder, which is the level of the Keter. So in this lesson 24, learning the lesson activates these concepts in your life. But that's not enough. If you don't daven for something in life, 
things don't get moving. That's why we tell the person who's I have this and this and that. We tell them go daven, daven. What are you, what are you saying? Ask Hashem. You got to move your lips. You got to articulate and request. So it's two stages. It's Torah study and prayer. Moach and live. What, what does the Torah do? When you learn Torah, it activates the remedy. And then davening about it applies the remedy. It's like, for example, someone goes to the pharmacy. He has, a, he has like a big uh, scratch or an infection on his elbow, okay? And he has to buy a very expensive $100 tube of cream to, to put it on, the, on, the, on his elbow. So he goes, to the, he goes to the pharmacy, he buys the cream. Okay, next stage, apply it. So getting access to the, at the cream, the antidote, that's one level. Second level is applying it. When you learn Torah of Tzadikim at this level, it activates the remedy, and the davening for it brings it from potential to actual. For this reason, Rabbi Nachman instructed his disciple, Rabbi Natan, to write a book of prayers on his lessons. There's this book, Likutei Moran, and there's a book called Likutei Tfilot, which is prayers on the lessons. Now, these have been translated into English. We prepared here. Here's a QR. If you can add down, you can pass this around if you don't mind. There's a QR here leading to a WhatsApp group with the PDF file of this lesson and the prayer in a 40-day challenge. What's the goal? In 40 days, to see in your life if you see the changes of Simcha and Yishuvadat and the Keter, everything we spoke about tonight, activated. Okay, you can scan the, the, the QR. It's in the description of the WhatsApp group. And there's a second QR on what we do. We're spreading breast of therapy. This is the therapy. This is the reform for the nefesh. There's a second scan. If you'd like to help support us in what we're doing, there's an explanation on the bottom of what we do. Here at Son, we should come out with Simcha. And not that the going bring us down to Atzibut because that's all they want. Okay? One last thing. What they had in Times Square, the pro-Palestinians yeah. riding, and then the Jews came with their flags. So the Arabs were making fun of the Jews. <laughs> They're like making boo-hoo like you're crying. And that was a hint that their goal is to make us sad. Meaning what? To try to fight everything, that's not the way how we're going to fight back. Our weapon is besimcha. That famous picture from the Holocaust of that Jew with the beard. And the Nazis are cutting off his beard and he's smiling. You see the Jew smiling. You can't stick and stones, can't break my bones, but names will never hurt me, right? In other words, you can do what you want to me, but you don't even dent my simcha. I leave this world as a Jew, I leave my, my this world with Simcha. You know that? Yeah. They say about Treblinka, just by the way, I'm not going to the Holocaust too much, but it was such an extreme example that we can learn from. They say in Treblinka that the Nazis, they put at the entrance to the, to the gas chamber, the parochet from the Sefer, they took a parochet from the shul, wow. and they put it, yeah. The Jews, when they went to die, they felt their mamash going on Kiddush Hashem. They were dancing. They were in Treblinka, the Jews were dancing. They, were, they said, We are now going, we're, we're dying for a reason. Not stop. It's like, oh, poor Jews, oh, six million Jews, it hurts. That hurts. But they went with dignity and with joy. And we're not here to encourage people that we're just going to die. But the idea is to serve Hashem besimcha. Right? That's the key. Ki besimcha we should be zoche bezet Hashem. With simcha, to be our, with our eyes, the ones to see Mashiach coming bezet Hashem. Thank you. Thank you.